Good morning. How's everyone doing? Wow. A little cold, huh? Well, let's, let's please stand and let's give praise to God for either something He's done or who He is. Let's go ahead and read Psalm 19. For the director of music, a psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God, uh, the God of skies. Proclaim your work in His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. Boy, we like that today. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing to the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than a honey from a honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is a great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my own hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sin. May they not roll over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock, my redeemer. Let's go ahead and uh, do the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory, forever and ever. Amen. All right, let's worship.
you can be seated. So this is the part of the service where we take communion. And if you are not a believer and are not in Christ, feel free not to take part. There's no shame in that. But you should have received a communion packet when you came in. And if not, we have some usually right there by the back by the offering box as you leave the sanctuary. I will speak just for a little bit, and then you will have time to meditate and take the Lord's Supper. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus left his Father in heaven to become a baby. A baby that would grow up and become an example of our faith. He left his Father to die on the cross so we can be forgiven and also that we could die to this world. As it says in 1 Corinthians 11.23, For what I have received from the Lord, what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you drink or eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. So everyone should examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ and drink judgment on themselves. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for coming to this earth so many years ago or sending your son to this earth so many years ago uh, to die for us when we had no way to have our sins forgiven. You sent your son to make a way so that we can have a relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Please uh, find us acceptable and pleasing in your eyes. Amen.
Now is the time in the service for announcements. If you are new here and you'd like to get connected with us, please text this number to that number. <laughs> it's um, in your bulletin, there is a QR code that you can scan with your phone and if you need help doing that, we can help you. On the back of your bulletin, it says this very same information. Um, if you have a prayer request, we wanna hear about it. We wanna be praying with you. Um, we want to hear the praise reports. If you go and have a test or a procedure, um, something's going on with someone in the community that you're aware of, we want to be praying for those needs, and we want to be thankful when you guys are being thankful for the good reports. So if you want to connect with us via text, via email, um, this is the way to do it, okay? We're always collecting empty pill bottles, um, so bring those in with or without the lids. Um, they help with shipment of medical supplies to... Um, disasters all over the world, um, and Matthew 25 collects them. We also accept used ink cartridges, um, helps to um, reduce the cost of office supplies here for the church. Refit free dance fitness class is every Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, 6.30 to 7.30. I will say too, if you now that it has started to snow a little bit, um, we will have on channel 19, if there's ever a church closure, service closure, um, or yeah, any, any services, anything that's closed for the building, um, we will have it on channel 19, but we also send it out through those reminders that you get through your text and your email. So if you're not on there, you may show up here and no one's here. No pressure. <laughs> Men's night's the first Wednesday of the month, 6 to 8 p.m. If you have any questions, you can contact Chris. Food and Fellowship, new beginnings theme. So it's Wednesday, January 17th, which is also the third Wednesday of every month, 6 to 8 p.m. Food pantry, closed closets every Thursday, 5 to 7. Most frequently needed items there if you're interested in um, donating any food products. Um, donations can be dropped off of the food or clothing um, on Thursdays 5 to 7 or Sunday after service. Breakfast fellowship is the first Sunday of the month at 9.30. Breakfast is better when we eat together. Weekly budgets listed here and ministries you support through giving. Ways to give are in person. Um, it, there's an offering box in the back of the uh, sanctuary there and online. You can set up one-time payments of online giving or recurring payments. Before we do the meet and greet, um, we're gonna take any kids down to Children's Church. And um, February calendar's out. I know we're in the middle of January, so I wanna just give you a little heads, heads up for what's going on in February. Um, the second Sunday in February, so from now until the second Sunday, we're gonna be collecting candy, cards, um, I wouldn't say gifts, but like kind of like Valentine's snack things for appreciation for the first responders. So we'll start collecting those and put out on that pink table. We've done this over the last couple of years and it's been, they've received it really well. So we appreciate them. <laughs> yes, I know you do. <laughs> Um, so past years, we've made like this big card and all the church members have signed it. It was in the shape of a heart. And then we had um, like Valentine snack packs and Valentine candies and things like that. We just want to let them know how much we appreciate them and how much they do in our community. Um, hopefully they know that already, but it's just one day out of the year that we can give back to them. So thank you. Now it's time for meet and greet. I think I need you to put on the sound table that little, like, you know, when something stops or whatever, like. 
something to just really get everybody's attention, you know what I mean? But I, I guess I need to get started today. Let's, yeah, let's get her done. <laughs> so, um, it's been a long week, so just pray that I put this together like really, really fast. So I'm just praying that I don't stumble over all my words and everything uh, this week. Uh, a lot of you guys know I'm in heat and air, and it got cold. And even just the mention of coldness in the forecast, that's, that's a HVAC term, coldness in the forecast. Um, people get freaked out and they start calling you for no reason. Like all of a sudden they're never hearing noises. All of a sudden they're like listening to every little noise that their HVAC does. So it's been a real busy week. But I am so glad to be with you guys uh, today to worship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. So we are still in Exodus. And dare do I say it, this might be the second to last sermon in Exodus for this series. Uh, to recap, the Israelites were led out of Egypt miraculously by God, and they are currently in the desert uh, close to Mount Sinai. They were given the law through God, through Moses. This occurred in several meetings with God and Moses. It wasn't just like one thing. Um, and often that involved Moses climbing up a mountain to spend time with God, which is crazy to think at 40 years old, uh, climbing a mountain like that. But today, I want to spend time talking about the law that was given to Israel. So, before let's get, we get started, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for everything that you teach us, old and new. I just pray that you would speak through your word, um, using your spirit, because um, without your spirit, we can become powerless if, we just, if this is just head knowledge. So I just pray that you speak to our hearts with your spirit and help use it for your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I'm going to start out with Isaiah 55, 11. And when you find it, please stand for the reading of God's word. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to, empty, to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You may be seated. I know that was quick. I think this is one of those verses that we should keep in mind as we learn about God's law. As we learn about how he tells us different things during different time periods to fulfill different purposes. So in the Old Testament, these laws could be divided into three groups. There's the moral law, the civil law, and the ceremonial portions of the law. The Israelites agreed to obey all of these laws. And this is where we get what's called the Old Testament. Testament just means covenant or agreement. Often when someone quotes the Bible, Bible verses, there are many people who will not listen to it if they just hear that it's in the Old Testament. But to understand the new covenant, I think it's important to understand the Old Covenant. Someone might ask themselves, if we had to make a new covenant, was the old covenant a bad covenant? Well, to answer that, we have to ask ourselves, was the law that the Israelites agreed to a bad law that was given by God? So I think that the law is good, and there's a few reasons I think that. So number one, if it wasn't for the law, 
we would not know what sin was. As Paul says in Romans 7, 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was if it had not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. So we talked about this last week, so I'm not going to go too deep into that. Number two, the law was an intimate gift between God and his people. Even parts of it were inscribed by the finger of God. And we see this in Exodus 31, 18. When the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him two tablets of the covenant law, the tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. I mean, I don't know if you guys can imagine how cool that is to have something that God's finger touched. I know some people would pay millions of dollars for a famous autographed piece of memorabilia, but how much more would it be worth to have the Ten Commandments in your hand? Would you pay as much as for a car for the... Yeah, there you go. <laughs> to have it in your hand. So, would you pay more than a car for that? If, if somebody tried to took, take that away from you, how far would you go to get it back? I guess would be a good question. Deuteronomy 4, 7 also says this. What other nations is so great as to have their gods near them in the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws that I am setting before you today? The law was a special gift just for God's people. It was exclusively given to the Israelites because God loved them in a way that he didn't love the people at that time. That brings me to the next reason, number three, because this law was given in a covenant of love. Moses talks about this in Deuteronomy 7, 7 through 9. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than all the other people. For you were the fewest of all peoples, but it was because of the Lord loved you and kept an oath he swore to your ancestors, that he brought you out of a, with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore the Lord your God is God. He is faithful, or is the faithful God keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations to those who love him and keep his commandments. Isn't that amazing that God doesn't forget the people he loves and that love him? The other day, I forgot it was my sister-in-law's birthday, and I had to apologize at the same time as wishing her a happy birthday. But God isn't like that. He is faithful and he remembers forever because his love for his people is so strong. Number five, God's law is perfect. And David talks about this in Psalms 19, 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. David wrote this under the old covenant. God doesn't make mistakes. 
the new covenant didn't come because, oops, God didn't realize or take account for the people's disobedience. The law made many people wise. The Bible even teaches us that it was able to make some people even blameless, as it says in Luke 1, 5, and 6. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. I know we're taught it is impossible, but also listen to what Moses says in Deuteronomy 30, 10 through 14. When you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes that are written in this book of the law, when you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, for this commandment that I commanded you today, this is when he was giving the law the second time to the people of Israel, it is not too hard for you. Neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to you to heaven for us and bring it to us? that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over to the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near to you and in your heart so that you can do it. No, I don't say this so we can all keep the old law. I just want us to remember that in the old covenant that God didn't make mistakes. So then the question is, why do we have the new covenant? Well, Jeremiah tells us what went wrong with the covenant. This is found in Jeremiah 31, 31 and 32. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. The problem was the people would not keep the covenant. As a whole, they would not keep it. As we read earlier, there were some individuals that did keep it, but as a nation, they did not keep it. So under the new covenant, are we supposed to keep the law? It's a yes and no. It's a yes and no. Are we sacrificing animals? No. Well, I hope you guys aren't, but are we keeping the feast and having an earthly tabernacle with an earthly high priest? No. But listen to what Jesus says in Luke 16, 16, and 17. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached, and everyone is forcing their way into it. It is easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least stroke of the pen to drop out of the law. Not even a stroke of the pen removed. Okay, then how do we carry out the law? Well, Jesus gives us more detail in Matthew 5, 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or, that the, prof or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So how is Jesus fulfilling the law? Well, remember Deuteronomy 18, 18 and 19 says, I will raise up, and this is Moses speaking. I will raise up, well, God's speaking to Moses. Let me clarify that. 
I will raise up for them a prophet like you, so God talking to Moses, a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. And I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to the words that my prophet speaks in my name. This verse is Jesus fulfilling the law and not destroying it. Jesus is the prophet like Moses. Like Moses, Jesus mediates between people and God. Both Moses and Jesus were judges. Both fasted 40 days and nights in the desert. Both proclaimed God's teachings and decrees to the people. Ironically, when Jesus proclaimed this, he did, when he was on the Sermon on the Mount, he kind of proclaimed, kind of like Moses, or like God did. But unlike the mountain of Sinai, there was no fire or lightning coming from there, just as God promised. He proclaimed from the mountain, from boats, the temple, houses, and other places, Jesus gave a new law. In Galatians, Paul calls it the law of Christ. In Romans, Paul calls it the law of the Spirit. And we find this in Romans 8, 1 through 4. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but live according to the Spirit. Paul says we fulfill the law by walking in the Spirit. That if we continue in this faith journey or walk as described in Romans 8, that we have no condemnation. This new law of Christ comes with power, which Paul sometimes calls grace, to overcome those sinful desires. James calls Jesus' teachings the law of freedom, which is found in James 1, 21, 21 through 25. Therefore, put away all filthiness, rampart wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror and goes away at once and forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in all he's doing. So this time of year is a time where people get gym memberships and buy treadmills. In fact, uh, we just, I, I think like two months ago, I just put uh, a treadmill together and started using it. But the funny thing is, is we bought that like two years ago. That treadmill was doing me no good for about two years. Um, I mean, it was in the box, so I mean, I couldn't even hang clothes on it. It was just doing me absolutely no good. But the law of Jesus doesn't give us freedom if we don't use it. It's not much of a, bless, a blessing if we don't persevere. 
like the gym membership that we use three times a year. If we believe in Jesus, we should write all the laws of Jesus in our heart. Just like it says in Jeremiah 31 and 33. This is a covenant I will make with the people of Israel at that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. The verse is in context with the new covenant. The first thing to understand this covenant was it was for Israel. What are you guys writing? How did Israel get the laws written into their hearts and minds? Well, Jesus came from heaven to put those laws in their hearts and minds. But thanks be to God, because we also found freedom, because he allowed Gentiles to be grafted into that covenant. We can uh, see God still does expect us to keep the moral side of the law, even though it's still not in effect. And how do we know it's not still in effect, the moral law? Well, for instance, when a pastor gets caught having an affair, we don't stone them to death, no matter how bad his wife begs us to. We don't keep the civil law because we have a different government than Moses did in Sinai. No matter how much we said we're in one nation under God, we aren't because the closest thing to that was the Israelites. Why? Well, because their moral law was intertwined with their civil law. America has never made it against the law to lie or commit adultery. Even though we don't live in a nation that's under God or under his laws, we still have God's law that supersedes man's law. So even though our government isn't a nation under God, we can still be a nation under God. So do we keep the ceremonial laws? No. Now we have a different high priest as it says in Hebrews 5, 6 through 10. And he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. During the days of Jesus, life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned through obedience from what he suffered and once made perfect, he became the source of of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So it kind of helps to have the backstory of Melchizedek to understand this. Uh, but for time's sake, I'm not going to go back to Genesis and read the whole story of Melchizedek. Uh, but I do recommend uh, you go to Hebrew and search all the verses on that and go to Genesis and read about it. But there are a few points that the writer of Hebrews is trying to make. Uh, for one, Jesus was not a Levite, just like Melchizedek. Another thing, Melchizedek didn't have an earthly genealogy. He didn't have a beginning or end. And also, Jesus doesn't have an ending or begin. He always was. He became a, when Jesus became a high priest of the law, it changes the law, as it says in Hebrews 7, 12. For when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. 
With Jesus as a high priest, we have a better covenant, as it says in Hebrews 7, 22 through 27. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our needs, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once He sacrificed for their sins for all when he offered himself. So as we see, the old law changes through the new priesthood. God gave us a better covenant. We have a better priest, a perfect priest, and no longer need animal sacrifices. So in closing, we no longer keep the old covenant, but we do keep the law of Jesus because if we don't, It says we can't even know him. As it says in 1 John 3, 4 through 6, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. So this doesn't mean if you have sinned one time in your life, you don't know him. Faith is a lifestyle. It's not a one-time event. If we believe he's a king, we will treat him as a king, and we will respect his law. If we believe he's a savior, we will believe everything he says about salvation. If we believe he's a son of God, you will believe everything he says about being a son of God. But if we believe in ourselves instead of God, We will write our own story in our hearts. And this can be risky because we may never know who the real God is if we do that. So let's learn the law of Jesus. Let's start acting like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are not just a book full of suggestions. Let's treat Jesus' word as life-giving words that are more valuable than anything we could write in our own hearts. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for giving your word. I just pray that you give us a special ability to hunger and thirst for your word because you say whoever hungers and thirsts for your righteousness will be filled. I pray that you give us a special ability to remember and to understand your teachings and be able to speak them clearly to others. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we are going to sing one last song, and while we do that, we will have people up here Uh, to pray for spiritual healing, physical healing, or whatever kind of needs that you have. And as we were commanded by James, we will anoint the sick with oil, and a prayer of faith makes a a sick person well. But before I do that, I'm going to speak the Lord's blessing over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen.
have a great week.